So, Matt, did you hear about that break-in at the police station here in Nashville? No, I don't think I did. No, the guys broke into the police station, and they attached chains to the toilet and ripped the toilet out and stole the toilet. Why? That's crazy. I don't know, but the police have nothing to go on. (laughs) You're welcome. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. So, how's it going, Matt? It's the ghost wonderful time of the year. Well, pretty much. <laughs> he yes. didn't know I was going to do that. No, and that's why there was this delay before I answered. I was like, he seriously did that. Really? And I thought I was the one with the bad joke. <laughs> so... This is our last episode of 2018. That's right. So we wanted to thank you guys so much for your support this year. You have no idea how much that means to us. It's just incredible how supportive all of y'all are. Yeah, it. I mean, it's been a really amazing year um, for Adam and I and, and for Graveyard Tales. Yep. And we're looking forward to 2019 being even better. Oh, sure. I mean, it, it has gotten busy and hectic and crazy and kind of similar to what I said uh, last time. Uh, it uh, We've been busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. <laughs> I said that this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Something totally unrelated. Yeah. But we're, you know, we may be busy, but we love it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know. We do. It keeps us out of trouble, keeps us off the streets, um, you know. <laughs> like, we're, we're, we're really not that hard. You know? No. <laughs> they don't let me on the streets. I'm so uncool. I don't, I don't get to hang out on I'm the streets. Off, I'm off the streets. With the, with the street light comes It's like a kid. When the street light comes on, it's time to go home. Yeah, right. No kidding. Um, but. Since uh, this is the last episode, the next time you will see us will be in 2019. And I guess you won't see us, you'll hear us. Um, But we have a pretty awesome episode coming for the first episode of 2019, if we do say so ourselves. Yeah, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty intense. Yep. Uh, You know, and this is this is a topic that people have brought up to us many times. Right. And we're still, you know, we're already gearing up for it and have been diving into it so it should be pretty good um remember to tweet about us and tag us in tweets and posts on facebook just to help kind of spread the word of the graveyard because we grow by word of mouth and we've grown just exponentially in 2018 and we want to keep that growth going in 2019 so that we can bring more awesome people into the graveyard because the more people we have the more awesome interactions we have and the more cool stories we can tell y'all every episode or you know like this episode where it's all about y'all that's right so 
the more people we get that can share in all of this, the better the Facebook group is, the better the shows get. So please spread the word. Um, on that note, someone, if you're listening now, which is then or soon. Anyway, if you're listening, uh, someone start a post in the Facebook group and let's start a discussion about a Graveyard Tales hashtag that we can come up with as a group and start using so that it's easy to track posts about us. Right. And um, and just to be clear, all the obvious stuff is taken. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, anything that you immediately think of, it's already taken. Yeah, we so were, we're going to have to get creative here. Right. We were just laughing about some of the um, hashtags that could go for us. Um, <laughs> and what, what so, they lead to. Yeah. So just, I mean, if you're on Twitter, just Google, or Google search on Twitter. How stupid am I? <laughs> um, do a search on Twitter for the hashtags that you would think, you, oh, that's yeah, a good one for right. Graveyard Tales. And you'll figure out why we can't use those. Um, but let let's pick up a cool new hashtag to use and we'll start using that so we can uh track everybody talking about the show and comment on each other's tweets and posts and all that stuff but on that note let's take a quick break and then we'll get back into the episode that we've got planned for tonight all right matt so we need to talk about something uh, yeah, I know. The the jokes weren't all that great in the last episode. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's that's not what we need to talk about. We need to talk about care of vitamins. Oh, okay. Okay. So care of vitamins is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. Right. And we Matt and I have both taken there's an online quiz that you go on and you take, and that's actually yeah. a, a pretty fun quiz to take. Oh, yeah. Um, I I enjoyed it. It made me laugh a little bit, kind of answering some of those questions. Um, But but it's so easy and it's guided to what you you would think of that you might need in in supplements. Right. And it only takes like five minutes. I mean, it's real quick. And it uh, it as you uh, finish up the quiz, it pops up with things that it suggests for what you want to focus on. Uh, for me, it's, you know, I've got wanting to look out for cholesterol and heart health and stuff because it runs in my family and they ask you kind of stuff like that. So they give you something for that, you know, yeah. and so you can pick and choose from what they've suggested, add on something else, take off something, and then you're done. Yeah. For me, it was stress and sleep and energy. Right. So you, you fill out your quiz and the care and the care of people come up with a set of supplements designed for your needs. And that's awesome. Yeah, and it's great. They send it to you when you get it. You get a box and you get this little this other little box inside of there that has individually packaged vitamins, your daily amount, and it's got your name on it. You know, it says like for Adam, and then it's got an inspirational quote for you for that day. And then a, a little pamphlet in there that gives you a rundown of what you've got in that packet, some of the nutritional information on it and everything. And it's, I mean, I enjoy it. I've been 
taking mine for a week or so now, and I, I really enjoy it. It makes it easy. Yeah. Grab it in the morning and go. Right. So no more messing with pill minders, no more cabinets full of bottles, no more forgetting and leaving one out or trying to remember, well, how many do I take of this and what do I need of that? The care of folks take care of all of that for you in one easy to take package. So you know you're taking the right supplements every day. Exactly. And these vitamins, they get delivered to your door. And it's a real quick shipping. And it's great if you're always on the go and you need to, like Matt said, you need to hit the road and not be carrying 15 bottles with you in your backpack or your purse or trying to shove them in cargo shorts or something like that. You rattle too much that way. This pack is easy and it's great. Yeah. And they provide all the research that supports each of their recommendations backed by a scientific advisory board. So these guys know what they're talking about. Right. And and they can prove it to you. And a really cool thing is a portion of every sale goes toward Good Plus Foundation. And this provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. So not only are you doing something good for you, but you're helping someone else out who's in need. Yeah. And there are even vegan and vegetarians options available. So for 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter the promo code GREAT. Again, visit takecareof.com and enter the promo code G-R-A-V-E. Go get you some. All right, Matt. So let's tell the good people what we're talking about tonight. Okay. So tonight we are, for the second time, we are bringing back the the old English tradition of telling ghost stories at Christmas. Right. So you know this is a this is a tradition that typically occurred on Christmas Eve, where families and friends would sit around a fire and and share ghost stories. And and, and it's I guess it's a, a really a Victorian thing and. You know, it's it's a great tradition, and and like you heard me singing, um, terribly, Andy Williams, <laughs> at the beginning of the show. You know that the line in that song where it says there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. That's what it's referencing: is mm-hmm. this idea that Christmas time is a time to share ghost stories, right? And then there's a lot of reasons, and we can kind of, you know, we, we could go forever just about why, but a, a lot of it is it's it's you're you're in you're going into winter, um, you know, Christmas is is the end of the year. You reflect back on the year, and you reflect back on on lost loved ones, and and it just, you know, the ghost stories have a lot of history to them, so it just goes with everything else. Right. You know, and we know comes along with it. We know there's going to be somebody that says, "Well, um this comes from the uh, pagan tradition." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know. Probably um, so. We know and we understand the winter solstice thing and all yeah, that. Yeah, and the the it. death of the seasons. I we we get that. What we're specifically doing is focusing on the old Victorian tradition around Christmas. Um you know, if you don't celebrate Christmas, 
that's perfectly fine. You can still enjoy these stories. That's right. So consider it a holiday episode. If you yep. don't want to yep. say Christmas, it's our holiday episode. Yep. Um, but I think what we'll do, uh, we'll go back and forth here, um, telling some stories from you guys um, that y'all have sent in. Right. Which is awesome. We appreciate that so much. And before we get rolling on these, thank you guys so much for sending these in. I mean, we got a ton. Right. Uh, of stories that that Adam and I had to sift through because of time. We obviously can't read them all. And some of you guys, you got a little wordy and (laughs) you sent us some really long but great stories that we just we just couldn't condense into a form that we could do here. But we promise we are not going to dump any of any of these stories. Mm hmm. We we are working on a way to to share these extra stories that we have throughout the year. Right. So if you didn't hear yours tonight, it's not because we didn't like it. It's not because there was anything wrong with it. It was only because in the interest of time, we 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 had to go with what we had here so that we could fit it into a format that we can, you know, post and get downloaded that's not four hours long right you know so um but like i said we'll get to everybody's some some of the stories we did have to kind of edit a few things out just so it would flow a little bit sometimes when you're typing an email you you add things in and so if it doesn't sound exactly like what you wrote don't panic we didn't change anything about your story at all we just may have dropped a couple of sentences so that it would flow to the listener so right a little bit of editing on the fly. You got um, it. But let's start off with one from Amanda. And she says, as a teenager, and and just to preface this, this is not Matt's Amanda. Right. Yeah. This, this is this another is, this Amanda. Is a, this is a, another listener's. Yep. A non-related Amanda. Um, she says, that makes me think that there's going to be something in here that people are going, oh my God, Matt's such a creep. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's I'm not. Just, I'm just holding out for the one that your Amanda did send me that dishes all the <laughs> weird stuff. And I want to make sure we uh-huh. separate them. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, as a teenager, I was involved in a bad relationship that left me in a precarious position regarding my faith. And the experience I'm about to share is likely a consequence of that. At the time this experience occurred, my relationship was in tatters. The boy I was dating was emotionally abusive and manipulative. When I began dating him, he seemed normal, but he quickly spiraled into a religious fervor after we became intimate. It steadily got worse and worse. And his paranoia and guilt created a severe rift between us. And he demanded that I repent with him and seek forgiveness for what he had perceived as our sins. He regarded me as a temptress, and as you can imagine, it wore greatly on my psyche and destroyed my confidence in myself. Towards the end of our relationship, and at the height of my boyfriend's paranoia, I was away with my family on vacation. We were staying in a condo belonging to my grandparents and had stayed there many times prior without incident. One night, I woke up and immediately felt a sense of dread. It was even worse when I realized that I couldn't move. It was as if my wrists and ankles were tethered to the four corners of the bed. 
It was the first and only time in my life that I experienced this sensation of paralysis. I can sympathize with that. I, I experience that often. Um, even stranger, I had woken up on my back with a clear view of the foot of the bed. As my eyes adjusted, I noticed a shifting shape at the foot of the bed. What I can only describe as an imp-like creature was watching me from the foot of the bed. It wasn't a large creature, maybe the size of a large dog. It leapt onto the bed near my feet and crawled its way up toward the top, dragging its bulk against my legs and belly until it was face-to-face -face with me. I blacked out then. This whole experience happened so quickly, there weren't many other details I can recall, but I do remember the sense of terror and complete helplessness. I woke up, in quotes, a short time later, and I felt the worst I had ever felt in my life, physically, emotionally, every single way. My 17-year-old self then proceeded to run to the room my mom was staying in and launched myself under the covers. I had to admit to her that I had had a bad dream. I have never before or since experienced something even close to what happened to me that night in that bedroom at my grandparents' condo. After some research on the internet, I was horrified when I came across the incubus, this creature I believe I encountered. This experience shook me so much that I sleep with a lamp on to this day. I'm now in my mid-twenties. So, yeah. Man. Um, that one I, I wanted to read because we haven't yet discussed incubi and succubi. Right. But it we've is we've talked about it, right? We've we've hinted around it, um, and we may get into that in 2019. But um, it that whole incubus succubus thing is very interesting, and it's tied to a lot of different yeah. Things. It, it is that it's really interesting, and it's very convoluted. It's it depending on. What you read, it's it's not just something. It's not cut and dry. I right, guess, right? You know, it's the best way to put it. It it has many many different explanations depending on different cultures and things. Right, like that. exactly. Yeah. Um, so before we get into maps, what we wanted to do is is something a little fun in between each one of these stories, kind of like we did for Halloween. If y'all remember, we did the traditions from around the world for Halloween. We've got some traditions from around the world for Christmas. All right. So it'll kind of lighten the mood uh, between the scary stories, a little palate cleanser as we go. So the first one is from the Philippines, and it's called the Giant Lantern Festival. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce how you would in Don't, Filipino. I, I've, I've wor I work with uh, folks that are from the Philippines, and... They tell you, don't don't try. Yeah, it's it, hard. It's a it's difficult hard. language. <laughs> it's difficult, yes. And, and my stupid tongue would massacre it so bad I would feel horribly. <laughs> um, but the Giant Lantern Festival is held each year on the Saturday before Christmas Eve in the city of San Fernando, the Christmas capital of the Philippines. The festival attracts spectators from all over the country and across the globe. Eleven villages take part in the festival, and uh, competition is fierce as everyone pitches in trying to build the most elaborate lantern. Originally, the lanterns were simple creations around uh, half a meter in diameter 
and they were usually made from like Japanese origami paper. Um, and it was lit by a candle. But today, lanterns are made from several different kinds of material, and they've grown to about six meters in size. Um, and a meter is like 3.3 feet. Yeah. So if you can judge it by that. It's a yard. So ginormous, you know. Yeah. These are big uh, lanterns now. Um, and they're illuminated now by electric bulbs that sparkle in kind of kaleidos- kaleidoscope patterns. So this one town does all these giant lanterns and it's, you know, they compete to see who can do the best one. And so I, I bet it would be awesome oh, to, yeah. to walk around there. I, I can only imagine. I might, I might have to look up, find videos. Yeah. Because, cool. you know, how um, here in some neighborhoods we do um, like Christmas lights on the houses mm-hmm. and stuff and, and they... Like, yeah, you get the Griswolds down the street. I know, you. I know. It's it's <laughs> crazy. I get blinded every time I drive past. Um, but that's kind of uh, this tradition. They just use these ornate lanterns, which I actually think I would like better than yeah. these. Um, you know, four hundred blow up ornaments in your yard, dude. Yeah, it's like you've done. You've expanded the nativity scene to have all these like cartoon character blow up things waving in the wind and yeah. it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but all right, Matt, what you got for us? Okay. So this story comes from Laurie. The Laurie story. The Laurie story. It says, I'm from a small town in New Jersey, born and raised and lived there until I moved away at age 19. My mother, one of my sisters and I are very spirit sensitive. I was raised in the Pentecostal church and to this day am a believer in the supernatural. Although I am no longer a member of any organized church, spirit has always been a part of my consciousness. I have more than a few stories of my own, starting when I was a child and continuing until present day. But the one I will share today is about the Ouija board. Uh. (laughs) I had largely forgotten this story until i heard your podcast so i called my mom to make sure yeah to make sure i got the details right now given my upbringing in the church i knew from a young age that ouija was nothing to trifle with i avoided it at slumber parties and and the like because i knew that if anything came out of that board i would be the one who would know it i was successful in my avoidance until seventh grade I do not know why she thought this would be a good idea, but my English teacher decided that she would tie our lesson that week into the Ouija board. Yeah, you're right. I don't see why that's a good idea either. No, seriously. She says it wasn't even around Halloween time. I refused to play with the board and remained in the back of the room with another friend. When the teacher and the other students were messing around with the board, my friend and I were feeling sick. Not just sick in the body, but sick in the soul. We were terrified of the board and what it was doing to the other students and to the school. This went on for two days until we finally decided we had to tell our mothers. My mom, needless to say, was livid. She marched down to the school and had that teacher hauled into the principal's office. The Ouija board was never seen at school after that. Looking back now, I believe that the teacher failed to properly close the board and released an evil entity into our school. 
Two weeks after the Ouija board incident, two girls got into a fight in the locker room. I was standing right there as one girl pulled out a knife and stabbed the other. I have no memory of the incident to this day and only know it happened because my family remembers it. I was so affected by it that my father, who was a police officer, had to come to school to take me home, and I stayed home for the next two days. These two girls had never had problems with each other, and nothing like that had ever happened in our school. When I called my mom to confirm these details, she told me for the first time that after the stabbing, she and the rest of the ladies at my church had prayed over the school and cast out the evil spirit. She did not know its name, and I do not remember a name coming from the board, but I wonder if it was the same one that you referenced in your show. She says, which I will not even type here. Yeah, please don't. Good good idea. Please don't. She says, anyway, that's my Ouija story. I have never gone near a board since and refused to do so. I will not have one in my house and have instructed my own child never to mess with it. And that right there is good advice. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And we have friends that refuse to take our good advice. (laughs) Right. And I know who you're talking about. (laughs) But, you know, seriously, um, you know, it's true. Whether you believe it or not, it's best not to tempt fate right here. I mean, you know, we're we're really talking about trying to bridge that gap, you know, between our world and the spiritual world in a manner that opens a door. Right. You know, it, it, we're not talking about, you know, I can feel something or I can communicate with a spirit or, or something like that. We're talking about using a device that it, at its heart is designed to open a door. Yeah, it's it's like the difference between picking up a phone and talking to someone on the other side of this wall and chopping a big hole in the wall and just saying, whatever wants to come in, come in. <laughs> right you know hey just stick your head in here for a little while yeah would you and if if you can fit through this hole you can come on in would you leave your front door open no you'd lock your front door yeah and to me it's that same thing yeah i get it that things can you can communicate with another realm if we want to put it that way you know uh, the ethereal plane or whatever you want to call it you can communicate with that through many different tools i get it right But there seems to be something about the Ouija board that attracts things that are tricksters Mm -hmm. or dangerous. Right. Or he who shall not be named. And I don't mean Voldemort. I don't mind saying Voldemort's name. Um, But I'm glad she didn't type that because I was about to stop you. Yeah. You know, I was about to go. Right. (laughs) Right. You know. So, uh. So yeah, so leave leave them alone. But it's it's a it's a great story, and thank you so much, Larry, for sharing it. Yeah, we appreciate it, and thanks again for not naming him. <laughs> um, I got another quick tradition here for you. Um, this one is from Sweden, um, and I will say if you are from any of these places or you are in any of these places now, um, let us know if you've ever taken part in any of these celebrations or if you know more details about it we would be interested yeah Um, Yeah, if you're in the philippines and you've 
participated in this uh the lantern festival mm-hmm. man send us some pictures oh, please because that sounds cool please do um and i want to know more about this one from sweden so if you're in sweden or from sweden and know something about this let me know this one is the yule goat <laughs> the yule goat the yule goat and i have just completely left out the swedish pronunciation because yet again <laughs> my tongue cannot do that and i apologize but since 1966, a 13-meter-tall Yule goat has been built in the center of the castle square for the advent. But this Swedish Christmas tradition has unwittingly led to another tradition of sorts, people trying to burn it down. Since 1966, the goat has been successfully burned down 29 times. The most recent destruction was in 2016. It doesn't sound like it's that hard to do if, no. <laughs> if they've managed to do it 29 times. But it may be now just a thing, you know, and that's what I want to know from any any anybody who lives yeah. in Sweden. Is it just a tradition to, they put this Yule goat up they and go, then they're like, on. we know you're going to burn it down. So we've actually put <laughs> tinder in the feet and, yeah. you know, we, we make it easy for you. We've allowed it. It's kind of cool, you know, or is this something they actually try to stop and... 13 meters, though. That's like a 40-foot goat. That's a ginormous goat. That, that's a huge goat. So you're burning a huge goat. You think they started with like like a little goat? Then they were like, well, this one's too easy to burn. Yeah. It, so we're going to make it bigger. It may have. It was like <laughs> these jerks keep burning down my six-foot goat. They, so. they build it out of those, uh, those logs that you start fires with. Oh yeah, yeah. Now it's just like we know this, flame logs. We know this is going to happen, so we're just going to make a bonfire out of it, and it'll be a cool thing. Um, but yeah, I want to know more about that. So if you know anything about that, please let us know. Um, all right, I got a story here from Douglas. Um, and he says, "Let me start by saying I live on the edge of a small town in West Virginia, about an hour south of Morgantown." I say this because I'm sure you'll be disappointed that considering I'm from West Virginia, more didn't happen. And you're right, Doug. (laughs) I expect more from you West Virginians. West Virginia, yes. Home of the paranormal. (laughs) I expect more from you guys. Yeah. Uh, We we may need to move the graveyard to West Virginia. No, no, let's not do that. Yeah, we're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So in October of 2004, a friend asked me to take her to visit family around Danbury, Connecticut. While up there, we visited several cemeteries to look for Revolutionary War era graves. I was told by my friend that one we visited wasn't consecrated as holy ground until the 1960s, even though it had graves dating back to the 18th century. According to my friend, the reason for this was that it was originally for criminals that the church did not approve of. Some of the grave markers here, as well as in other area cemeteries were engraved with skulls with wings on the top. That sounds pretty cool. Um, I thought these were pretty interesting, so I took some pictures of them. Later, I found out this was pretty common for the time. After returning home, I took the photos to show to my grandmother, who was in the into the psychic stuff, tarot cards, seances, white candles, etc., and her group of friends, who I called the Coven. I like that. Um, when I got to the the ones from the unconsecrated cemetery, 
Her and her coven all insisted that they were dark and unholy and that I should get rid of them immediately. Needless to say, I didn't believe her. Later that night, while sitting at home by myself, I hear a door close, almost slam. I get up to check if anyone had come in, but no one was around. I go back to my chair, and as soon as I sit down, I hear what sounds like a hand clap in another room. I go check again to see if someone is around, and again, can't find anybody. By this time, I'm starting to get a little concerned. Yeah, right? I would be too. Um, Before I can sit down again, I hear another door close, and another hand clap, and another. Now, I'm really freaking out and decide that I don't want to be in the house by myself, so I grab my phone to call a friend and step out on the back porch to smoke a cigarette. It's now dark, and as I'm lighting up, I hear a buck snort about 10 feet away from me and jump about 15 feet straight up. I'm willing to bet that's the first time a deer scared someone not born in the city. I've I've had, yeah, well, I almost got ran over by, that's not even a joke. Adam almost got ran over by a deer. <laughs> I'll tell you that story here in a second. He says, I've had other unexplained things happen in the same house, but never like this. Needless to say, I took my grandmother's advice and destroyed the photos. Nothing that extreme has happened since then. So, yeah, um, you and I, I know, Matt, have come across stories of animals acting weird around paranormal events or Mm -hmm. can be used by certain darker entities and stuff. So I, I wouldn't. I would not doubt that a buck being that close to a human at a house is probably a little out of the ordinary. Yeah, and I mean where where Adam and I live, I mean we've got we've got deer everywhere. Mm-hmm. And having a deer in your yard is not an uncommon thing. I mean, and I don't mean like you live on a farm and there's a deer in your yard. I mean like you live in a neighborhood, a suburb and there's a family of deer grazing in your front lawn. Right. You know, but you open the door, they scatter. Yep. And, you know, having, especially a buck, you know, being that close to your house anyway. Yeah. And then being out there long enough to watch you walk out and not run off. Yeah. And to yeah, stay kind of weird 10 feet or, or less away from you. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, my Adam almost got ran over by a deer story. I was out hiking one day and I took Dallas with me and, and I had my Jack Russell with me and I was in the state park over there close to your house. Um, you probably know the one I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but since I said close to your house, I'm not going to name it cause I don't want to give yeah. anybody, you know, <laughs> your stalkers and all, yeah. we don't want to do that. Yeah. Take, um, take, take a shot. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll figure it out eventually, but walking through and I see a deer laying down in this big pile of grass and the only reason i saw it is because my beagle smelled it yeah and he's pulling and and trying to get over to it and everything well this deer is frozen just not moving staring at us well the deer's head turns dallas turns around and looks behind me and about that same time he ducks i turn slightly and there is a deer jumping maybe three feet from me across the path I'm on to get to the other side. Oh, God. Like, literally, had I turned and taken a step, I'd have been mowed over by a deer. 
And that's the closest I've ever been to a deer. So, <laughs> brother, I, I that's too close for comfort. Yeah, right I, there. I consider myself like I'm halfway between a city boy and a country boy, and I was scared to death. So I, I feel you on that one, man. Don't <laughs> don't yeah. be too concerned. Yeah. One more quick tradition here. This one is from Japan, and this is kind of a newer tradition. Um, Christmas in Japan has never really been big. Aside from like a few small secular traditions, kind of, you know, gift giving, small light displays, but it's kind of just still a novelty. But there's this new tradition that's kind of emerged in recent years, and it's a Christmas Day feast of Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding? Yep. And yet again, why I would move to Japan. I mean... (laughs) Why wouldn't you want to have a bucket of chicken on Christmas? I love it. I, I mean, that, that is great. Yep. Um, so there's a festive menu <laughs> that soon will be advertised on the KFC Japan website. Um, and even if you don't understand the Japanese, there's a lot of pictures that are supposed to entice you into wanting it from like these Christmas themed standard buckets to a premium roast bird feast. And I'm like, man, I'm moving to Japan. I can get me. Yeah, because we can't get that here. No, I can get uh, 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 KFC on Christmas, and I don't seem like the weirdo because if I get try to get KFC on Christmas here, I'm a weird guy. <laughs> you know, um, they don't go knocking on doors at Halloween. Yeah, so that's right. I'm loving Japan more and more. I'm moving. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm moving. <laughs> AFC on Christmas. It's uh, it's great. I love it, man. Yeah, you know. All right. So, uh, I don't know, how do I follow that? You know? <laughs> anyway. Very so our carefully. Ne- our, our next story uh, was submitted by Sean. And Sean says that I'm your friendly neighbor to the north in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Hey, yay, Canada. So, uh, hey, Denny. <laughs> hey, dear, hi, dear, ho, dear. <laughs> Now, is that is that Canada? That's almost like Minnesota. Yeah, that's the best I got there. I can't do the Canadian thing yeah. too well. Sorry about that, no, that, Sean. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> you know, see, we you know because we got a hockey team. You know, a good hockey team. You know, right here. Um, oh yeah, you don't know, we, you know? We hear we hear it a lot more now than than you used to around Nashville. Oh, there's a good accent around here. There, don't you know? It's pretty. It's like watching. It's like watching Fargo. <laughs> He says, uh, Sean says, I wanted to share my own personal experience with you guys. Well, he said, I guess it was experience. He said, for years after it happened, I tried to convince myself that it never happened since I was sleeping when it occurred. It happened over 25 years ago. I lost my father when he was only 50 years old. He had died at home in his sleep in an apparent, uh, to an apparent aneurysm. I loved my father even though we had our ups and downs as I was growing up. He said, I was a know-it-all teen. He said, we had a very diplomatic relationship. He said, this event took place a couple of nights after his death. My room was adjacent to the washroom on the main floor of the house, so I could hear when my parents were getting up to use the facilities. This one particular night, I was sleeping in my room like I normally did, I recall hearing my father getting up to use the bathroom. 
and I knew it was him because he had a very distinctive sound when he moved around the house. I recall getting up from my bed and exiting my room and proceeding down the hall to the bathroom. I walked with caution to prepare myself for something unexpected to happen. The bathroom light was on and the door was closed, but slightly ajar so that you could see a crack of light coming through. I opened the door and there, sitting down on a chair, not the toilet, was my father. Wow. He was looking at me. Now, something else to add to this, Sean says, standing beside him was my cousin Randy. He wasn't making any sound, just standing beside my father with his hands folded over his waist. said, at the time, I really wasn't sure why I saw my cousin, but he says he'll explain it later. As I slowly entered the room, I remember asking him why he was here because he was supposed to be dead. He told me that he was. I then became upset, and I recall starting to cry, telling him that I wasn't ready for him to go. He then told me I was ready and that everything was going to be okay. The dream ended at that moment, and I woke up in my room feeling shaken and sad. The loss of my father had hit me that night, and it was carried out in my dreams. After I was able to relax from the experience, I had a very comfortable feeling come over me. I felt that some weight was lifted, and I could now focus on my future. When I mentioned how my cousin was standing next to my father, I didn't know why at the time that he would be in my dream. Now, I'm not sure what this means, but my cousin who was standing next to him died some 20 years later at the age of 50 of the same aneurysm my father suffered from. I didn't put the two together until after my cousin's death. To this day, I don't talk about it much, and I've never spoke to any members of my family about this. It's a deeply personal experience, and I like to believe that my father came to me as a spirit for comfort and reassurance. As for my cousin, I guess there was some premonition being explained, but I didn't know enough at the time to make anything of it. I said, I now have a family of my own, happily married for 18 years with a great life. I still think of my father often, especially during family events with my kids, wishing he could have met them and sharing the memories we are creating. I'm calling this a Christmas story because of the message I'm trying to send out. We may have our differences with some, but we must always treasure, treasure the time we have spent together. Even though I cannot create new memories with my father, I know his spirit is with me, guiding me with wisdom and grace. Sean, buddy, that is a fantastic story. And thank you so much for sharing such a personal experience. That's yeah. And you know, I think a lot of people can relate to a story like this where after the loss of, of a loved one, especially someone so close as a parent, um, and especially at a young age, that, you know, feeling that loss and then something happening where you feel that they're still with you, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's comforting and it, and it really can it can help you grieve and help you move on. Sure. Um, you know, but the dream um, is something that, that Adam and I have heard a lot from other people. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, 
I've had a similar experience. You know, I had, I had a, a loved one come to me in a dream and physically told me goodbye, you know, mm-hmm. and told me this, I'm coming to tell you goodbye and thank you for everything you did. And, and, and he died that night. You know, I, I found out that, you know, probably about the time I was having the dream was about the time he died. So, you know, these are common things as far as, you know, what, what kind of stories we'll hear about loved ones passing away and, and, and experiencing them in the dream. Um, but they, they seem very comforting, you right. know, they, they seem to be, it's a way for them to, to communicate one last time. Right. You know, so great, great story, Sean. We appreciate it. Yeah. That, that incredible. And you said, you know, and you, you were probably too young or didn't know enough to understand the foreshadowing or whatever of your cousin being there. You know, I wouldn't feel bad at all about that because I, I don't think there's many of us out there at any point in our life. If we were to see something like that, have enough knowledge to understand what it is. And I, I think that's part of part of that whole deal. You know, you're not supposed to know everything or, or be able to put it all together at the time. Right. It's a uh, little breadcrumbs or little markers, mm-hmm. let's say little markers on your memory that you may not remember until something else happens. And then, then that flashes back in and it, it alters the way you think about the present day. So, I think a lot of this, you know, a lot of the stuff we experience is that way. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's not supposed to make an impact on you right then. It's just the other side knows what will happen in the future, what will happen to you. And, and they're and you're just simply a witness to it. Right. You're, you know, you're not supposed to know or do or anything. Yeah. You're not supposed to act on it at all. You know, yeah. it, it has an effect on you, but you won't know why until some point in the future right right okay so we got another little tradition here sticking on the yule theme this is the yule lads from iceland uh in the 13 days leading up to christmas 13 tricky troll-like characters come out to play in iceland the yule lads Visit children across the country over the 13 nights leading up to Christmas. For each night of Yuletide, children place their best shoes by the window, and a different Yule lad visits leaving gifts for nice girls and boys and rotting potatoes for the naughty ones. Clad in Christmas traditional Icelandic costume, these guys, they're pretty mischievous, and their names kind of hint at the type of trouble they like to cause. I am not going to pronounce the Icelandic words, but we're going to pronounce what the English translation is. The sheep coat clawed, the gully gawk, stubby, spoon licker, pot scraper. Spoon licker. That was my nickname in college. <laughs> um, pot scraper, bowl licker, door slammer, uh, skyer gobbler, sausage swiper, window peeper, Doorway sniffer, meat hook, and candle stealer. So you can kind of tell by a lot of those names what they do and kind of how they <laughs> play tricks on you. We need to make action figures. 
That would be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. They probably have them. They may. They may. <laughs> I want meat hook. Yeah. I, I'm sticking with the spoon licker since the that was my nickname. Licker. <laughs> All right. So. All right. All right, Adam. Let's, yeah. Let's get back into something more serious here. All right. So Larry sent this one in. And he said, let me start by saying this was something stupid I did when I was young, dumb, and, well, you fill in the rest. I lived in a house that I truly believed was haunted due to experiences that my mother, sister, and myself all had. This is what sparked my interest in the paranormal and caused me to look into some questionable things that led me to some weird and strange situations and people. My interest continues to this day, but I'm now more careful with who I hang out with and what I do. On a night in the summer when I was 17, which was back in 2004, my friends and I decided to go to a hangout spot in a forest preserve area near a friend's house. This was unusual for us to do in the summer as we liked to party and such. This night, though, when we arrived at the spot, there was no one there but my friends and me. Now, my friends at the time were also paranormal enthusiasts and thrill-seekers, and that included two girls, another guy friend, and me. While we were hanging out, the paranormal came up, and we started to wonder if anyone died around the creek we were by. Now, my family has worked for the city for many years, and I've been to all sorts of parks and buildings with them as they held higher positions, and we're within the political eyes of the city, and I'd been to spots that numerous times been to this spot numerous times and never seen anything more than a few deer. At this time, I was reading more of the occult stuff myself, and I figured there was no harm in trying in the area to to see what, you know, we had talked about before. I then said, let's try a seance. They all agreed. I then drew a pentagram on the dirt, and we sat around and started to call on any and all spirits in the area to let us know they were there which I believe we uh, heard a bullfrog in the distance. And we just kind of continued asking the normal yes, no questions, asking for signs and whatnot. As we continued, we started to notice the increase of fireflies and lightning bugs, as you like to call them in the graveyard. That's right. They're lightning bugs. That's right. That's exactly what they are. Firefly is a movie, you know, it's a, or a TV series. It's lightning bugs is what's out there in the yard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, he said, notice these kind of filling the area more and more around us and having the area glowing more as kind of a street light was above us. The weird thing was that it was only in the area we were in because there was nothing flashing in the woods or over the Creek and definitely not anything that bright. I will never forget what came next as we continued for 10 minutes or so. I said, if you would like us to leave, give us a sign, like killing all the fireflies. At the same time, every firefly that was around us went out, as if someone turned out a light in a room and made it dark is the best way that I can put it. My friends and I saw this and looked at each other and just got up and left and went back to my friend's house that was nearby. Of course you did. Right. (laughs) I, I think anybody would. During all this, My friend also 
recorded some of the activity on his digital recorder that he had with him. When we got back, we downloaded and listened to the recording on my friend's computer. As we listened, we heard the bullfrog from the beginning, but nothing really else until the end, where you hear me once again say, if you like, if you would like us to leave, give us a sign, like killing all the fireflies. We all heard, welcome to the gates of hell. After that, we all refused to go back to that spot, and whenever we had to drive by it and drive down the road that was near it, we always would get a little nervous. So my friend that lived nearby told me he experienced some odd things at his place after it and got it got so bad that his family ended up moving to get away from it. And I have not heard from him after that. So like I said, this was back when I was young and dumb. But trust me when I say I learned my lesson about messing with the occult that day. And that's it. I mean, that's a good lesson to learn. Yeah, it's a lesson too many people don't learn. Yeah, right. Until it's too late. Right? I mean, you know, I think you you ended up doing a disservice to yourself by drawing the pentagram. Mhm. Um you know, now the the pentagram has some other meanings from way way back which you know that will all be kind of dived dove dived into in 2019 mm-hmm. yeah. but you know it it is uh most commonly known recently as you know something demonic mm-hmm. and used for demonic purposes so when a symbol like that is used and you then use it you run the risk of there being some bad stuff and one thing to keep in mind it doesn't matter whether or not you believe in it and I mean, you, you just have to know you, you cannot believe in something and it doesn't make it not real. Right. It, it just means that you, you haven't seen the evidence yet. Right. Because when it comes to this kind of stuff, there are plenty of people that believe in this. And the thing is, is they believe in it for a reason. Chances are. They've seen the evidence. Right. So you shouldn't tinker with that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I mean, you know, we we enjoy this kind of stuff. We enjoy the, the you know, communing with spirits and, and getting, getting a response and having, you know, a, a really cool experience. You just, you just can't, I don't, I don't know what. You, Be you, careful. Yeah. You know, don't poke the bear. <laughs> right. You know, that's the best way I can put it. Right. You know, hey, if you're going to do this, you know, just, you know, be smart about it. Right. You, know? you, you wear, a, you wear a, a, a life jacket when you're on a boat, not because you're expecting to fall in the water, but just in case. Yeah. Take those similar precautions. Wear a life jacket, you know, a, a metaphorical life jacket when you want to do something like and, that. And you know, I, I I always and 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 I've and I've believed this for a long time. But um, our 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 friends David and Randy from EVP Mediums they they stressed this when we had the opportunity to hang out with them in Nashville at our live event. Whatever you do, protect yourself. Yep. You know. Whether it's through prayer, whether it's through smudging, 
you know, whether it's through, you know, a, a protective amulet, protect yourself so that whatever you're venturing into, you know, it's not going to attach itself to you and bring harm to you or your family. Right. You know, right. And uh, it, you know, they, they hit the nail on the head when they said that. And yeah. as Matt's saying that, uh, I'm, you know, pointing to my smudge stick and spray over there. I'm waving right. my black tourmaline necklace that I got on. It, it's like, you know, you got to listen. Take- yeah. I look, I carried my, my black tourmaline with me for two weeks and it, it sits on my nightstand and it never moves. Yep. And then it is right there. And that is a good place for tourmaline. Yeah. Keep it by your bed because, you know, there a lot of things tend to want to creep up on you when you're vulnerable like that. <laughs> That's right. And I'll tell you this. I've not said this on the show. In my case, it's a six-year-old that wants to get in the right. bed. <laughs> Which that, you just need a fly swatter for that. That's that's why you keep a fly swatter by your bed. No. Um, I've not spoken about this on the, the show, and I don't think I've told you, Matt, but since we got the black tourmaline, um, which was graciously sent to us by Meg over at Mending Moon Apothecary. Um, so thank you, Meg, for that. Um, since I got that and I've had it by my bed, I have not had one sleep paralysis episode. Man, that's amazing. So if I ever doubted before, I don't have quite the doubts uh, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. um, because it was getting kind of bad there for a while where it was, you <laughs> yeah, know, it sure was. uh, every, every few days or every few weeks. But since I got that black tourmaline by the bed, that has not happened. So be you know That's draw right. conclusions from where you may so meg you, you may see a boost in black terminals yeah you might i hope you do <laughs> um got a real quick one here from norway um tradition from norway um and this is one of the more unorthodox uh in traditions uh for the rest of the world um but on christmas eve everybody in norway hides their brooms And this tradition dates back centuries, and it's for when people believe that witches and evil spirits would come out on Christmas Eve looking for brooms to ride. So to this day, a lot of people hide their brooms in the safest place in their house just in case they might get stolen. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Hide your broom. Hide your wives. Oh, wait. No, that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's different. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> so our our next uh, story that was submitted comes from Jacob. Now, you know, this one, this one is not as deep, but it's a lot of fun. So as a kid, my mom and I used to stay in as many haunted hotels as possible. We stayed at one called the Marshall House in Savannah, Georgia. Which is a, a really cool place. Yeah, I've 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 not been to Savannah, but um, but my sister has, and uh, I've always wanted to go. Said uh, and and he goes on to say Savannah could be a show all on its own, and and he's right. He said uh, they experienced a few minor things, uh, you know, while staying at the Marshall House. Fast forward about fifteen years, my then girlfriend and I decided to stay in Savannah for our one-year anniversary. So I decided to propose, and we decided to celebrate by taking a ghost tour. My fiancé, who doesn't believe in ghosts, experienced a few things and even captured some orbs on camera. 
The next morning, she tells me she saw a full-bodied ghost of a Civil War soldier standing by the bed. She tells me she attempted to wake me up, but couldn't. So like a normal person, she hides under the covers. She tells me she felt the ghost rub her arm with two fingers, then disappeared. Hmm. So after she tells me this is when I told her, I knew that this was a haunted hotel and had stayed there before. (laughs) Tricky. Mm -hmm. So after she stops yelling at me, we go down to get some breakfast. She stops dead in her tracks in the hallway and points to a picture on the wall and yells, that's him. That's the ghost who was in our room. It was a picture of Robert E. Lee who I later found out she is a descendant of. So needless to say, she is no longer a skeptic. And still mad at you. And still mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, full disclosure, if you're going to take your girlfriend, wife, significant other, whatever, to a haunted hotel, clue them in first. (laughs) Right, right. That's why... Any one of them that we think about, I make sure Ashley is fully aware. Yeah. And this place is haunted. And honestly, now <laughs> Ashley is the one that's like, hey, this one's haunted. Let's go there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Amanda's the same way. You know, hey, let's, do you know that there's a haunted hotel? <laughs> like, we got haunted hotels within driving distance of us. I mean, you know, it's like 20 minutes away. You know, yep. we, can, we can get there. We, yeah. And we should as a group. We should yeah. go. Well, we've been to one. Yep. If you go all the way back to episode one, we Adam and I visited the Thomas house. Yep. Just skip the intro like we've said before. That's right. Don't listen to the intro. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> just. But uh but yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a great, great story. It you know, it's fun and it's not unlike a lot of stories that have come out uh of the Marshall House in Savannah. Um and and if you haven't heard of it, um Go Google it. It's a pretty cool place. It's really old. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of Civil War history there, too. So even if you're not a big, you know, haunted hotel ghost, you know, type, you know, person that you want to really, you know, dig into that. Um, if you're a history buff, you know, there's a lot of cool history there, too. So Right. All right, Matt. So let's go to Venezuela real quick. All right. Um, you like Christmas, right? I love Christmas. Uh, do you like rollerblading? Not so much. Okay. Well, then don't go to Venezuela. But if you do go to Venezuela, uh, visit Caracas uh, about Christmas. Um, Every Christmas Eve, the city's residents head to church in the early morning. So that's like a lot of people. But they do so on roller skates. (laughs) Uh, this unique tradition is so popular that the roads across the city are closed to cars so that people can skate to church in safety um, before they head home for the kind of less traditional that, as we would know of, Christmas dinner of tamales. And, oh, my God, I love tamales. Now, oh this, my is, God. this is hilarious that you, that you bring this. And, and honestly, I didn't know that, that Adam was going to read this particular thing yeah i didn't tell him about it yeah he didn't tell me any of these so this weekend i'm talking to my mom and she goes did you know that tamales 
are like a traditional Christmas meal. And I look at her and I was like, yeah, maybe in Mexico. And she's like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a thing. Something about the, the unwrapping and the opening. Oh yeah. Okay. That it, it has become a very traditional Christmas meal. Which I love because I love tamales. Oh my god! Yeah, I could get down on some tamales right now. <laughs> but it, um, it's so, so funny that PO you read box, that. PO Box nine four one, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Send us some tamales. No, they probably go bad by the yeah. time they got here. Yeah, but don't send us any bad tamales. Yeah, I don't want to open the PO box and there's like moldy tamales in there. But yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't think about the unwrapping of the corn husk yeah. as kind of like unwrapping a present. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've got another one here. This one's from Becky. Um, she said, I wanted to share a ghost story with you. My mother passed away six years ago after a seven and a half year battle with metastatic colon cancer. It started in her colon and then spread to her lungs. The last six months of my mom's life, she was under home hospice care, and she was very, very quickly became mostly immobile because she suffered from neuropathy in her feet and because she was on oxygen and she had to sleep sitting up um, due to nerve damage in her lungs uh, from chemo treatments. So going up the stairs to her bedroom was pretty much impossible. So I moved all of her things into the living room. The last time she went up the stairs was around Christmas time. So she could see some renovations that uh, my father had made in their bedroom. And it took almost 30 minutes to get her up 16 stairs. Not long after her last trip up the stairs, she began to suffer from nightmares. When we would finally get her to wake up, she would tell us that she didn't want to go upstairs. They were waiting for her up there. When we asked who they were, she'd say her parents. Now, her father died in 1990, and her mother died nine months later in 1991, and it should be mentioned that her mother died in the house. Her nightmares about the stairs were consistent throughout the end of her life. Even when awake, she would tell us that she didn't want to go upstairs. She was terrified of the stairs. The last two weeks of her life, she started asking where her parents were. She would ask us, where's dad? He was just here. Where did he go? Or, where's Ma? I was just talking to her. When we fumbled for an answer, she'd say, oh, they must have gone back upstairs. The night my mom died, my father and I were sitting on either side of her hospital bed in the living room holding her hands. From where I was sitting, I could see the reflection of the kitchen from the screen on the old TV set. One of those giant TVs that weighed a ton and still had a glass screen. Um, shortly before she finally passed away, I saw someone walk through the kitchen through the reflection of the TV. My dad was directly opposite me. My uncle was dozing on the couch and my brother was in my dad's office at the opposite end of the living room. No one else was in the house. The way the figure I saw walked, it had a noticeable limp. I was convinced that I saw my grandfather walk through the kitchen. I know what I saw, but I was also willing to chalk it up to exhaustion, or at least I was until I spoke with my uncle the next afternoon. We were talking about how much my mom said she was seeing her parents before she died, 
and I told him about the figure I saw the night before, and that's when I saw my uncle go pale. He told me that while he was sitting on the couch, he looked over into my dad's office and saw someone poke their head around the corner, look, and then disappear. He got up, went into the office, came back out, and it asked where uh, where my brother was, and I told him he was outside smoking. When I asked him about what he had seen the night before, he looked at me and said, Becky, I saw my mother. We never doubted that mom was seeing her parents, and we know that they were there the night to help her pass. And we talk about this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Loved ones do come to you at your time of death. At least I believe that. Yeah. To help you in that process. Yeah. And we talked about that in one of our Patreon episodes recently that when you're going through that process, you're visited by people who can help you, whether that be loved ones or whatever. And so, you know, I fully believe that, yeah, they, her, her parents were there. And when we, um, when we discussed this in our episode about near death experiences, that's a really, it, it's a common thread in the majority of those stories mm-hmm. that they saw a loved one there, either telling them it's not your time or, comforting them that it was going to be okay. So yeah, Adam's right. I mean, this is, this is not, uh, this is not an experience that is all that uncommon, you know, and, and we, we hear it over and over again. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with Adam. I mean, I believe this, that, you know, when, when your time is, is near that loved ones come to you. I mean, in the field where I work, I have seen, people at i mean with within you know hours to minutes of their death mm-hmm. and and they will say my mom's here my dad's here or my my brother is here someone who had passed that was close to them is here or they begin to speak to them and so i mean yeah i mean there's there's just so much evidence of this out there mm-hmm. that yeah, I think, you know, absolutely. I, I think it does happen. Right. All right. So another tradition. This one is the Day of Little Candles in Colombia. Um, Little Candles Day marks the start of the Christmas season across Colombia. In honor of the Virgin Mary and the Immaculate Conception, people place candles and paper lanterns in their windows, balconies, and their front yards. The tradition of candles has grown, and now entire towns and cities across the country are lit up with elaborate displays. Some of the best are found in Kimbaya, and I think I said that right. If not, let me know, um, where neighborhoods compete to see who can create the most impressive arrangement. So again, that would be awesome to go (laughs) see that. Yeah, that would be so cool. That would be awesome. If you've got pictures, if you... Uh, have any pictures of that from Columbia, please send them to us. That would be awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. And um, our last story tonight, I I chose this for a reason. 
I, I have an ulterior motive on this one. <laughs> You'll understand why. I know what it is. <laughs> Our last story comes from Laura. And Laura says, my best friend has a shadow people problem. If you ever do an episode on them, she has years worth of stories I could tell you. It's happened to her her whole life. And this is one of several that I was present for that may have followed me home. It was a summer night around 10-ish. We were bored. And if you know rural backwoods bored, you know, the, the town closes around 10 o'clock. And, you know, it's, it's fires, fishing, or sitting. That's <laughs> true. That, that just sounds like a good time. So there's not much to do. So we were sitting around the table making snacks and planning on a fire when her uncle walks through the door. He told us that there was a wreck about two miles down the road and they were going to have to airlift one of the guys out. We decided to follow him down the road in my van to see what was going on, rubbernecking at its finest. We got near the spot where the wreck had happened and the traffic was backed up so we couldn't see around the curve. Her uncle told us he would ride up on his four-wheeler and see if he could find out who it was. So we just decided to drive back. About halfway back to the house, she tensed up, grabbed the the O handle. The old poop bar. <laughs> and, and my arm and gasped. I assumed there was a deer on the side of the road or an animal about to run under my car. What? I said as she slowed down the car. Her face was pale white. Just keep driving. Just go. She was panicked. When we stopped at her house, I asked her what she saw, and she said we had to get inside before she'd talk. You didn't see that? What was it? I was genuinely confused. She swears I hit someone. There was a dark figure, the shape of a person, kind of dressed in a hooded robe, standing in the middle of the road, and I drove my car right through them. And if that wasn't scary enough, a friend from work stopped by and we were in my granny's old house. She had passed away a year or two before this, so the house was empty. I started telling him the story and right before I got to the part about the figure, he shot up out of his chair and started panicking. He said he was leaving. He kept pointing into the kitchen he could see it from his seat. I couldn't. He said a large black shadow person shot past the kitchen. And at that point, I finished my story, and he said that was what he saw in the kitchen. This was only a few days after. Jeez. So. Jeez. Yeah. Shadow people. Pretty creepy. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, Adam and I have talked about shadow people in other episodes just in passing. But um, we're going to talk more about them. Yeah, we'll say this shadow person episode is foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, foreshadowing. Uh-huh. So. Foreshadowing people. We, 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 we look forward to seeing you guys in 2019. Yeah. So uh, I hope everyone had a really good good holiday. Whichever holiday you celebrate, I hope it was great. Hope you got to to spend uh, some time with family and friends and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, your holiday season. 
and Happy Adam New and I. Year. Happy New Year. And Adam and I are going to be back in January um, with a show I think everybody is going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. So unless it has some like negative consequences for us, like some other <laughs> ones, have, then I'm not going to enjoy that much. So come on, Sage Stick. <laughs> so we're going to leave it at that. And uh, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Yeah.